0: Hello and welcome to Beniah, Mighty Man of God, by P. H. Thompson, an audio book. This is Chapter Eight. But the Lord said to Samuel, "Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees; for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart." 1 Samuel 16:7. Beniah sharpened his sword and placed it next to his club. While they were in the stronghold, he didn't wear his weapons, but they were headed out on parole today, and they were likely to venture into areas where they would encounter their enemies, so he gird his sword to his waist and tucked his dagger into the sheath on his right calf. His club was still secured by the sling made of the blue and white cloth his brother was holding the day he died. So far, the cloth was holding up well, but Benaya knew it wasn't as secure as a leather sling like the other soldiers wore. He had reinforced it with a band of leather several times. He would never part with it. Uriah the Hittite had questioned him about it once, and Benaiah only answered that it reminded him of the cost of disobedience. The look he gave Uriah after he said it silenced any further inquiry. Let them wonder. Let them think him moody. Benaiah didn't care. He knew that he had learned his lesson and would never question orders again. He would be the most loyal soldier David had, David would never have to wonder if Beniah was trustworthy, faithful, or loyal. As Beniah tapped the club dangling at his waist, he exhaled heavily. To obey is better than sacrifice, he repeated soundlessly. A messenger arrived at the stronghold, his robes torn, ashes on his head as a sign of distress. He approached David and gave him the sad news that Samuel, the prophet, had died. The Israelites have gathered together and lamented for him. He has been buried at his home in the town of Ramah. David tore his robes as a sign of grief. O my friend, O Samuel, you were a faithful prophet in Israel, giving us the word of the Lord in these dark days. This is truly a sad day in Israel. Later, when David seemed ready to talk more of Samuel, he shared with Benaiah that Samuel had anointed him as king when he was yet a young boy still tending sheep. It was right after the incident when Saul did not follow through on the slaughter of the Amalekites, David explained. I heard about that from my father, Benaiah said. Samuel was so disappointed in him, and he continued to pray for Saul and mourn over him. But the Lord said to him, How long will you feel sorry for Saul? I have rejected him as king of Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go to Bethlehem. I am sending you to Jesse, who lives there, because I have chosen one of his sons to be the new king. Benaiah heard the rumors that David would surely be the next king of Israel, and even Saul's acknowledgment of it, but he was surprised to learn that it was decided long ago, back when Samuel said those famous words that Benaiah now lived by, to obey is better than sacrifice, and made official by the anointing with oil by a prophet of the Lord. What was it like, Benaiah asked, when Samuel came to your home? David laughed. I had no clue. I was out with the sheep, as I usually was, when I was summoned to the place of sacrifice. I didn't know that he had already been introduced to each of my six older brothers. As each one passed him, Samuel said he was sure that he was the one God had chosen, because they seemed like natural, charismatic leaders, like Saul. But the Lord told him, Do not look at his physical appearance or size, because I have refused him. For the Lord doesn't see as man sees, because man looks at outward appearances, but the Lord looks inward at the heart. Beniah considered David's words. He was always awed whenever he heard the very words of God himself. It was interesting that God said he had provided himself a king when Saul had been given to the people as king. They demanded one so they could be like the other nations around them. They weren't content to have God alone as their king. Saul's tall stature and handsome features had been key factors in his popularity, as the people wanted a king that would look good in the eyes of the countries around them. Now Benaiah was hearing that God wasn't concerned about outward appearance, but with inward character. David far surpassed Saul in that regard. He was a man of character as well as tender spirit. Around the fire, he would play the instruments he'd made himself and sing psalms of praise to God that he'd written. David continued, So when I arrived at the place of sacrifice and saw my whole family and town elders there all staring at me, I looked behind me, thinking there must be something else drawing their gazes in my direction. He demonstrated by slowly looking behind him. But there was no one else behind me. David laughed at the memory. He shook his head in disbelief and continued, Then Samuel approached me with a horn of oil. I fell to my knees before him. I didn't know who he was or even what was happening, but I felt compelled to kneel. He poured the oil on my head and said the favor of the Lord was on me, and he had chosen me to be the shepherd of his people Israel. I'm sure my mouth was hanging open in shock. Then I saw the look in the eyes of my brothers, particularly my three eldest, who were already old enough to fight in Saul's army, and I knew they thought there must have been some mistake. I was thinking the same thing. I didn't really understand what this ceremony was all about, seeing as I was still so young, and obviously not ready to be king. This was even before I defeated Goliath, so to my brothers I was just a little boy. Since Saul was still in power, I kept it in mind, but then I went back out to the sheep and did what I always did, And here we are, years later, and I'm still not king. When I was living in the palace, I could imagine it would happen soon. Even Jonathan thought it. But instead, here I am, in the middle of nowhere, running for my life. Beniah couldn't argue with the facts, but he wanted to encourage David. God's timing isn't the same as ours, and perhaps he has things to teach you now that you could not learn in any other circumstance to trust him, like Joseph when he was wrongly accused of assaulting Potiphar's wife and was thrown into prison for ten years. I'm sure he wondered if those early dreams God had given him of being in a place of authority were really from God, or his own imaginings. But we all know how it happened, in God's perfect timing. David smiled and patted Beniah on his shoulder. Thank you, Beniah. I do believe you are right. Even my days as a shepherd were not wasted years. Like Moses, I had to learn how to lead sheep before I could lead people. Weren't your brothers at least impressed by you when you killed Goliath and delivered Israel? Beniah asked. That happened later, but when I came to the battlefield to bring food from my father and to bring back word to him about my brothers and the battle against the Philistines, I got there just when Goliath came out. He had been challenging the army of Israel daily and defying our God to act. I was incensed. I asked, What reward is offered to the man who kills this Philistine and ends the shame of Israel? Who does this uncircumcised Philistine think he is to defy the armies of the living God? Benaiah was in awe, hearing the story from David directly. He had heard different versions of it from those who were there that day, but now he was hearing it from the hero of Israel himself. They told me that the man who kills Goliath would be given great riches by the king as well as his daughter to wed, and his family would be exempt from taxes in Israel. I couldn't see why no one else had volunteered. It was not the reward that spurred me to action, but the gall of this Philistine, who dared to mock and taunt our god as if he was one of their idols, like Dagon, their fish god. But Eliam was angry with me. He said, Why are you even here? Aren't you supposed to be with the sheep in the wilderness?' Now they're unattended, no doubt. I couldn't even answer him before he told me what he really thought of me. He said, I know it's just your pride and impertinence that made you curious to come and see the battle for yourself. He was resentful that God had chosen you over him? David nodded. I just shook my head at him. I said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause for anger? Someone needs to confront this challenge. Beniah smiled since he knew the end of the story. "'Did he eventually respect you?' "'Not at first. "'I couldn't seem to get any of the soldiers to agree with me. "'They were all terrified of Goliath. "'He was almost twice my size. "'But then word got back to King Saul "'that someone was willing to stand up "'to challenge the giant from Gath. "'He summoned me before him. "'When I arrived, he looked beyond me "'to see the person I must have been there to announce, "'much like I did when Samuel anointed me. "'David laughed at the memory.' I could see Saul was disappointed to see me, but I tried to reassure him. I said, there's no need to be afraid of this man. I, your servant, will go and fight this Philistine. But he protested, you can't possibly fight him, because you're only a youth, whereas he's been a soldier since he was your age. Besides, have you seen him? David smiled, and his bright brown eyes sparkled at the memory. I told him, as the keeper of my father's sheep, There were times when a lion or bear came and tried to take a lamb out of the flock. I'd go after it, strike it, and save the lamb from it. When it would turn on me, I would attack and kill it. Since God gave me victory over such ferocious enemies as both lions and bears, this Philistine will also be just as they were, and even more so, because he has dared to defy the armies of the living God. And that's when you married his daughter Michal? Some time afterwards, at first I was to marry Saul's elder daughter, Merav, but at the last minute Saul gave her to another. Michal was quite in love with me, I knew that already from the few times I'd met her, but Saul wasn't concerned about her desires. He seemed to think something about her character would vex me. We were quite happy together, which in turn vexed the king. David picked up his leather shield to oil it. You already know the rest of the story. But the best part of that day wasn't when I dropped him with one well-placed stone to the forehead from my slingshot, or when I took Goliath's head off his shoulders in triumph. It was when my brothers lifted me on their shoulders, parading me through the ranks after our victory, claiming it was their brother, David ben Jesse who delivered Israel. But then your brothers joined the fight alongside you against Saul, Beniah said. I wouldn't say we fought together against him as much as we ran from him, but yes, they eventually joined me once I fled. It wasn't safe for them to stay in Saul's army anyway, since he would surely have questioned their loyalties because they were related to me. It was good to have my family with me, even though our circumstances weren't great, living in caves and strongholds. They eventually saw that Samuel wasn't mistaken when he anointed me, and in spite of how it appears at the present time they also know I will eventually be king in Israel. But for their safety I sent them to Moab, as the king there respects me and we still have family there from my great-grandmother Ruth. May the Lord make it so, Benaiah added sincerely. If he had any concerns that he may have made the wrong decision in becoming a soldier over a priest, or any qualms about fighting against the current king of Israel, They faded away as Benaiah listened to the stories David told. Samuel the prophet heard directly from God that David would be king. What better place could there be for Benaiah than here with the future king of Israel, defeating their enemies, obeying all that David commanded him? Yes, he was meant to be a soldier. Even his father Jehoiada would understand it eventually, when David was a true king, as God promised. Keep listening for chapter 9.